What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of Stacking the Box. Sterling is off this week, so filling in his place is Mike Luciano, fan-sided the Jet Press podcast as well. Um, Yeah, we got uh, training camp obviously in full swing, and actually this is a very fitting time to bring on Mike because uh, obviously he is a Jets guy, uh, and that is the only one of two teams that we've seen in action so far uh, in the preseason as the Jets and the Browns, the Hall of Fame game played last week. Um, also, Hard Knocks, I believe, uh, debuts tonight, uh, which is the Jets. So we're going to get uh, Mike's thoughts on that. We're going to talk biggest winners and losers from this past week. Uh, we're going to talk uh, quarterback uh, battle going on in Tampa Bay between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. And we will finish off uh, with the Immaculate Grid once again. Uh, I have a feeling Mike's uh, very good at this uh, Immaculate Grid thing. So I'm excited to uh, go through that with him. And of course, the top 10 players of the NFL Top 100 uh, has been released. So now we have the full list of the Top 100 players ranked and voted on by the players themselves. Mike, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm feeling pretty good. As I say in the Jet Press every now and again, Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback. So it's hard to really feel too down in the dumps. Yes, there you go. Um I've also, I, I think it's it's TikTok. I've seen videos of you and your co-host on the Jet Press guessing Jets players from from the previous well, like ten or twenty years. Uh, so based on that, if if your knowledge about the the rest of the NFL is nearly as good as your knowledge about former Jets players, I'm very excited to just whip through the Immaculate Grid at the end of the show. Um, Sterling and I have struggled at times with it. Um, yeah, but before we uh, get into this, uh, of course, my friends, we got to get uh, through the ad read and then we can dive into the show. Uh, DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook has upgraded their signup offer for a limited time. If you're a new user, you can receive $200 in bonus bets just by following three simple steps. You just need to create an account. You need to make a deposit. And then number three, wager at least $5 on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive $200 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code STB 
when you sign up. The best part is using our code STB not only gets you bonus bets, but it also supports the podcast. So if you're considering signing up for DraftKings Sportsbooks, uh, Stra- DraftKings Sportsbook, which you definitely should with the NFL season just around the corner, definitely use our code STB to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode des- description for the full terms of the offer. And if you're going to bet on the NFL preseason, little tidbit for you, I think I brought it up on the show last week, just bet the Ravens. That's the only thing I do in the NFL preseason. They're like, I don't know, 16 or 17 and 0 in their last pre- 17 preseason games straight up against the spread. They're like 22 and 3 in their last 25 or something bananas like that. So if you're going to bet the NFL preseason as a little warm up for the regular season, just take the Ravens. Um, pretty sound strategy over the, uh, ever since Harbaugh took over. Um, all right, let's start off uh, with the segment that we always uh, start the show with now. Biggest winners and losers from this past week. Let's start with winners. Mike, go ahead. Well, who is your biggest winner from this past week in the NFL? Well, for me, it's Anthony Richardson. Because Anthony Richardson, when he came into the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts, the whole book on him was he's very raw. He's very raw. We're going to have to wait a year. Maybe he comes in in the middle of the season. That's when we finally get to see this colossus, this insane athlete of a quarterback finally get unleashed on the NFL and from the looks of Colts training camp doesn't seem like they're going to do that even as a Gardner Minshew fan I got to get behind this because they're giving Anthony Richardson a lot of first team reps it seems like it's his job to lose at this point I think at this point I'd be very surprised if he is not the week one starter and honestly I think this is probably the best move for the Colts because I think Richardson probably has some edges that need to be smoothed out but I thought Florida just did him no favors and the best way to kind of smooth out those edges, live reps. Like you only learn so much just watching Gardner Minshew throw the ball and fiddling with the clipboard. Best ways to go and put him out there with live bullets going around. And I think this is probably going to be the better decision in the short term, at least for the Colts. They might get an extra win or two out of the year just by riding Anthony Richardson this whole time. Gone are the days of quarterbacks sitting uh, behind uh, a veteran guy for the first year or two in the NFL. Nowadays, um, unless there's some stud like when Jordan Love uh, was drafted by the Packers and Aaron Rodgers was still there, unless a team has some stud all pro MVP type quarterback, they're just going to roll out their rookie guy to start the year. It looks like all three uh, rookie quarterbacks. I know Stroud's getting first team reps now, so uh, it looks like the top three rookie quarterbacks at least are all going to be starting uh, week one. Uh, my uh, biggest winner from this past week, uh, and this is pretty much what my what the biggest winners are through, because nobody really wins training camp, really, unless it comes out that maybe I guess they won a positional battle, or in your case, uh, Mike, that a rookie quarterback is going to be on the first team. It's usually just guys who uh, get signed to contracts. So my winner from this past week, Matthew Judon of the Patriots. Uh, I hate the Patriots, uh, but I, I think Matt Judon is my favorite Patriot. I think he's one of the more underrated pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, and he got his uh, contract adjusted, not extended, uh, still the same amount of years, but his new contract is now for $15 million with another $3 million in incentives. And his guaranteed money, uh, which is what all these NFL players nowadays are looking for, went from $2 million all the way up to $14 million for the 2023 season. So Matt Judon uh, securing a nice little healthy paycheck. Um, I actually think he might be a guy that we want to look at in terms of potentially leading the NFL in sacks this year. Um, Dark horse defensive player of the year uh, winner this year, finished fourth in total sacks last year, 15.5 sacks last season, 28 quarterbacks, quarterback hits, 14 tackles for a loss. I think he is poised for a huge season 
with the Patriots. So good for Matt Judon. He is my winner of this previous week. Yeah, he did. He didn't hold out. He had what is the first time I've heard of this term. He had a hold in with his contract where he was at training camp, but he was practicing by himself. He was doing individual drills, was not doing stuff with the team. Uh, I guess it's called a hold in instead of a hold out. Uh, but now he is obviously has joined his team uh, with the uh, restructured contract. And when you say dark horse candidate, I think he's kind of moved past dark horse status. I think for the last couple of years in New England, you look at him and I know they had that big free agency spending spree, which is very un-Belichickian. They brought in John Smith and Hunter Henry and none of those guys have panned out. But I mean, boy, is Matthew Judon panned out. I mean, in an AFC that's loaded with great edge rushers, I mean, you got to put him up there with some of the best guys. So again, as a guy who has seen the Patriots ruin many of my Sundays, like I'm no friend of the Patriots, but you got to respect the craft that that Judon brings. Yeah, dark horse for, from the betting odds. I mean, I know this is not not a primarily betting show here, but I do got to mention Matt Judon right now, fifty to one to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. A little bit of a, a value pick there if you're looking for some futures bets for this season. Uh, so yeah, yeah, at the very least, his name will be up there by the time the season uh, comes to the end. Uh, biggest loser from this week, Mike. Go ahead. It's got to be Titus Howard, who was a tackle for the Houston Texans. It was just announced that he broke his hand. He's probably going to miss the entire preseason. And they say four to six weeks, so probably the first couple games of C.J. Stroud's career will be without Titus Howard. And part of the reason I thought C.J. Stroud was really going to hit the ground running with the Texans, on top of the fact that I like D'Amico Ryans as a coach, and of course he does the old Kyle Shanahan thing where he just brings over more Shanahan acolytes to run that offense, but... That's part of it, but also I thought the offensive line for a bad team was really solid. I mean, you look at Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard. I mean, that is probably one of the best tackle pairings in the AFC and maybe even the NFL. Now Howard's out, and as much as I like Stroud as a passer, I mean, the knock on him was always the mobility and how he can play out of structure. So instead of sitting back in a bunch of clean pockets, he's probably going to have a bunch of 300-pound edge rushers in his face, which is not ideal for starting your – NFL career, especially on a bad team like the Texans. No, it is not. Yes, uh, the worst part of training camp is injuries. Uh, I know the Falcons had their first uh, big one. Jeff Okuda went down, but it looks like it's not as going to be as serious as what we initially thought. But um, always the worst part of training camp. My biggest loser of the week. I'm extended past the NFL here. Uh, I know this is primarily an NFL. We do occasionally talk college football. So uh, if we do take the football world as a whole, the biggest loser of the year, the biggest loser of the decade might just be the Pac-12 from this past week because RIP to the Pac-12. There you, mean are the, you mean the Pac-4? Yes, the Pac-4, correct. <laughs> uh, obviously, this doesn't go into effect right away. Uh, a couple of uh, years before these teams all leave. Uh, actually, I think they all leave next year. Um, yep. So this will be the last season with the Pac-12 being the Pac-12. Uh, there are four schools left in the Pac-12. Uh, California... Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State. Every other school has committed to leaving, uh, the majority of them going to the Big Ten, uh, a few of them going to the Big 12. Uh, so the Pac-12 is now a shell uh, of its former self. Who knows? I mean, they got to do something. They can't just have a conference with four teams. Nobody really knows exactly what they're going to do. Um, they came out to the Big 12 and asked if the Big 12 can just take the rest of the schools and just kind of combine the conferences. Big 12 said they're not interested. Maybe they'll just combine with the Mountain West. Uh, that that's a you know scenario that some people have uh, brought out there. But uh, Pac-12 biggest 
biggest loser. I know, I mean, I'm, I'm not deep into the college football stuff. Mike, I don't know how much you are, especially with me growing up being Canadian. I paid more attention to Canadian college football than American college football. But it seems like people do not like the job that the commissioner of the Pac-12 has done. And just based on results, it seems like he really screwed up because now the Pac-12 uh, is effectively dead. Well, when you lose two thirds of your conference in essentially a year and a half, I mean, how could he do a good job? And there's actually two more complicating problems because uh, for all they wanted to grab a couple Mountain West schools, I think would make sense. You know, San Diego State and a couple things like that. But they got to pay like a thirty five million dollar exit fee to leave the conference. So that's probably not happening. And there are also reports, although they're undecided, that the ACC is going to throw their geographical limit out of the water with the Atlantic Coast Conference and maybe become the Pacific and Atlantic Coast Conference because they were interested in both Cal and Stanford. So if that happens, then Cal and Stanford end up in the ACC. Maybe Notre Dame goes with them too. Then Oregon State and Washington State are, I don't know what they're going to be, independent? Really tough situation. And again, it... It's just been a nutty offseason for the Pac-12. They were going to be playing games on the CW for the longest time, which has you know scripted drama. They have those Arrowverse shows. That's not really a football powerhouse. So RIP Pac-12, RIP Conference of Champions. But you, you brought this on yourself because these departures could have been avoided multiple times over. The CW famously home to the Live Golf Tour as well. So you'll get to watch... Uh... 12 and live golf uh and i think washington state just built a brand new uh stadium too um and now they're not gonna be playing against anybody anybody (laughs) really so who really knows what's gonna happen to the pac-12 college football as a whole is changing before our eyes rapidly um i think eventually within the next decade or so it's just gonna be like two conferences just two stacked conferences and then all the and then it's going to be like two power conferences of all the best teams and then everyone else is just going to make up the other conferences so i i feel bad for the athletes like if you imagine you're a washington and not even if you're a football player like a softball player or something like that and you're yes. like oh i gotta go play three games at Rutgers now it's like how do you how do you do school how do you have a social life and you're when you're flying that far all the time Right. Yeah, exactly. Great point, because this doesn't just affect football. This affects all the sports. So I think it'd be better if football and maybe even basketball just were separate from all the other sports, because it makes no sense for uh, college athletes, like you said, softball or uh, I don't know, any other sport, swimming, any other college sport. I don't think it makes sense for them to have have to travel from coast to coast to compete. Uh, It makes a lot more sense to just play the schools uh, that are close by you. So Uh, because obviously those kinds of college athletics don't bring in the money that football does football can kind of pull it off because they bring in so much money but uh college i don't know swimming for some reason is a sport that i'm that i that is coming to mind it's not bringing in the amount of money games in one location that's the problem yeah uh yeah so that's uh that's my biggest loser the pac-12 like i said might be the big in the world of football might be the biggest loser um in this year might be the biggest loser of the past decade Pac-12 has lost big time. Uh, All right, let's move on to the biggest story of the day, which I think, I mean, relatively slow news week, uh, even though we're kind of in the thick of training camp. I guess uh, more news will probably uh, be heavier news once the rest of the NFL starts playing their preseason games. But uh, So right now, I think maybe the biggest news story of the week is the top 10 uh, players have been revealed in the NFL Top 100. Uh, we have kind of followed this the past couple of weeks, Sterling and I, uh, as it's uh, as they've been releasing, you know, the players 10 by 10. Uh, so, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the top 10 players have been released. What are your general thoughts with the top 10 and maybe about the NFL top 100 as a whole? 
Well, I've had my issues with the NFL Top 100 just because I feel like it's very volatile year to year, and players are obviously going to you know vote for their teammates. That sort of thing happens all the time. And but at the end of the day, I thought the players got large chunks of the list mostly right. I mean, there are some minor you know ticky tack things like I would have liked to see T.J. Watt a lot higher. I would have liked to maybe see I don't know about Nick Bosa as the fourth best player in the league. I think maybe he's down near like the nine ten range. I think Aaron Donald should still be higher than he is. Like. Because Aaron Donald's one or two every year, and now he has one iffy year, and they knock him down. I think that's unfair. But I'm looking at the top 10, and what immediately stands out, and probably stood out to a lot of people, was Jalen Hurts at three. Jalen Hurts being the third best player in the league, the only guys above him being Patrick Mahomes, obviously, and then Justin Jefferson, the receiver for the Vikings, which I'll let both of them slide because I think Jefferson's in a whole other tier of receiver. I think Mahomes is in a whole other tier of quarterback. I don't think anyone's arguing Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL right now. Oh, yeah. But even again, last year, what was he, like seven or eight? Like, that's how quickly these things. Right. Yeah, that's how quickly these things. Shit, wasn't Blake Bortles like 30th one year? Like, (laughs) maybe. 50th. These things things are volatile. But So I think Hurts will eventually regress to the mean. I think that Philly lost a lot of their structure. They lost both their coordinators. They lost Miles Sanders. I think that might contribute to a slight regression for Hurts, but... Like, I get he had a good year, but I mean, like, let's be realistic. I mean, number three, like, come on. (laughs) I mean, he did number three. Sure. If you want to say that's a little bit of a stretch, I wouldn't argue too much. I I, I think he's easily. Would you put him in the top 10, though? Probably not. Really? He finished second MVP voting last year, though. I don't think he's better than Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow finished second MVP voting last year. Well, that's MVP voting. I don't think that necessarily is totality. What I think of a player. I also don't think he's better than Josh Allen. So, I, I've, so I unless you want to put maybe four quarterbacks in the top 10, maybe, but I think Jalen Hurts just had, it, it literally was a perfect year. I mean, everything that could have gone right went right for the Eagles up until they played Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So if he does it one more time, I'm like, and he no, also had one of, I mean, even though they lost, he had one of the best quarterback performances in the Super Bowl of all time. He did, but I need to see it maybe one more year. And then I could, I don't, I don't want this year to be the insane outlier year. Do it one more that, time. And I'm like, all right, that's kind of your baseline. I'll, I'll believe you. I guess maybe that's kind of the issue that some people have. And it sounds like kind of your issue with the NFL top 100. It's very much based on the previous season where there's players who, uh, it, like if you get hurt, if you don't, play a whole season and you only play half the games, you fall off this list. Like Cooper cup went from like top five player down to like, I think in the thirties or something. Um, and it wasn't cause his production fell off. Like he quite literally just got hurt and didn't play. Um, TJ Watt, he was hurt. I, th- I think for a few games last year as well, he fell off because of that. So you would like to see the NFL top 100 kind of be more based on their kind of work as a whole over the past few years, as opposed to just last season. I just think that the, the players voting are very prisoner of the moment right? kind of thing. And I, I don't like that the entire idea of being too reactionary in these things. Like again, this list isn't gospel. Like it's not like sure. these, this is the most set in stone thing ever, but you know, it, cause guys generally like year to year production wise, like how many guys just completely fall off a cliff production wise? Like typically the volatility, you should probably move a couple spots here or there. There's no reason that a guy should be number five and then has a iffy season. And then he goes to number 40. I also don't like the idea of a guy maybe who was on the fringe, like Jalen Hurts, I don't even think was in the top 100 last year. No, he wasn't. And then he goes to three. Yeah. Like that, that I think is a little too rich. Yeah. So I think it comes down to kind of how you would evaluate the NFL top 100. Uh, Joe Burrow ahead of Josh Allen. Do you agree with that? Uh, I'd probably say so. I think they're probably like dead even 
for me right now. And honestly, it might just be more of like a stylistic thing of who you prefer more. You know, the the finished product, the more I would say clean player makes less mistakes in Burrow or the upside, more high risk, high reward guy in Allen. It may just come down to personal preference at that point. Uh, you're a Jets guy, obviously. Sauce Gardner, uh, the top-ranked New York Jet, coming in at 23. I, be- I believe he was like the highest the or the second-highest cornerback. So, I, I, yeah. I I'm I'm pretty happy with I'm pretty happy with that, especially because as a rookie, like it's hard to kind of get respect, especially because not a lot of guys up close have seen Sauce Gardner. I think once he kind of gets around the league a little bit more, there's going to be more because you can look at film and. You know, hear about Sauce Garden all you want, but until you go up against him, I think that'll probably influence your rating more than anything else. So I think if he has a similar year that he had last year in 2023, I think we might see him crack the top 10, even though it's hard for for cornerbacks, you know, because every little mistake gets played back. And I mean, Sauce Gardner was perfect last year. You have like one long play to digs and every Sauce Gardner hater, which there are apparently legions of, will post that clip nonstop. So it's tough for a cornerback, but I'm pretty happy with where he landed. Hunter says Hurts had the easiest playoff road to the Super Bowl. Noted uh, Jalen Hurts hater, Hunter. I mean, he he did. <laughs> uh, he was playing a team without a quarterback in the AFC Championship NFC Championship game. That is true, but he was also playing against the number fourth ranked player, Nick Bosa. Eh, yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, how much does Nick Bosa outweigh Josh Johnson and Wildcat McCaffrey? Yes, fair. <laughs> um, do you agree that Sauce Gardner is the best player on the Jets, though? I'd probably say, yeah, in a vet, like obviously impact wise, it's Aaron Rodgers quarterback wise, but just pure, pure in a vacuum talent easily, easily. I think so. Like I, somehow his year has flown under the radar. Like that was one of the best cornerback seasons we've seen in like a half decade. And it is not discussed as such. It's shocking to me. Uh, the highest ranked uh, Atlanta Falcon on the list. Grady Jarrett came, came in at 63. Uh, my Falcons only, had, I think it was two representatives in the top 100 is Grady Jarrett, 63. Chris Lindstrom was in the 80s, I think. I think Chris Lindstrom should have been, yeah, 87. Chris Lindstrom was the best guard in the NFL. He should have been ranked way higher than that. Um, and we'll I think have Chris- another one this year when Bijan goes nuts. So. Ooh. <laughs> I can only hope. Uh, you know what Jets cornerback was listed in the top 10 of this at one point in time? Was it Aaron Rodgers? No, corner. Oh, corner. <laughs> I don't know. Darrell a guy Reeves. who was just uh, listed and in, inducted in the Hall of Fame. So it was Darrell Reeves. I didn't know they went that far back with this thing. I believe so. Um, yeah. If they don't, I think this has been the top 100 has been around for a long time. It, it, I, something tells me he was even like a top five on the list once. I could be wrong, but if it was around back when he played, he would have been listed in the top 10. He should have been, um, especially when he got robbed for defensive player of the year in 2009. Yes. When he had that the was, best that quarterback was, season ever and didn't win. Defensive player of the year because of freaking Charles Woodson. That was my way of uh, trying to segue into the NFL Hall of Fame game, which featured the Jets um, with Darrell Revis being inducted. Browns beat the Jets in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, I'm basically just going to throw this to you, Mike. You being a, a Jets fan, I assume you watched at least a part of this game, maybe the whole thing. Um, any takeaways from the Hall of Fame game? I will say the biggest thing that I think I noticed um, was Zach Wilson looked decent at. Uh, for the few drives that he played well mine was the inverse and that kellen mon looked garbage which yes. is kind of shocking for a guy that i, I kind of liked kellen mon coming out of college i don't know about 65th overall but i liked him and man that dude whew, 
might be time to get that CDL, buddy, because wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Wilson, I thought looked okay. But the only problem, though, is I've seen Wilson look okay in the preseason before, because this is the time for him to show off. It's a perfect environment. Right. I mean, he's playing backups. He's going to have time. He can let it rip deep, which for all of his faults, no one ever questioned the fact he had arm talent. I mean, the arm was always there. So this is the environment for him to play really well. I feel like unless you're like a Christian Hackenberg guy who was just out of his element totally, it's kind of hard if you have that much phys- base physical talent to not at least put on some level of a show uh, in the preseason. But you know what? He had limited opportunities. He did okay with them. You know, he made that deep throw to Malik Taylor. Uh, I was really impressed with the Jets defensively because their whole strength of the team is the defensive line. They have a bunch of great guys and they're going to rotate them a ton. And they were all making good plays, especially Will McDonald, too, who was really a demon, really getting a ton of pressures out there. And for a pick that, as we saw live on the NFL draft show, we're stacking the box. Not everybody was super on board with the Will McDonald pick because they thought it was kind of a weird allocation of resources. But I don't think anybody ever doubted the fact he was a great prospect, and he's showing that he can be a real impact player for the Jets. So it was Dorian Thompson-Robinson, by the way, who was the quarterback for Cleveland after Mon came in, showed great playmaking, very decisive, very accurate, which you'd expect from a five-year starter out of noted Big Ten school UCLA. But I, a lot of the playmaking that we saw at UCLA was there in Cleveland. So if they have to have a competition for the backup job, I think DTR is the clear favorite behind Deshaun Watson. Yes, historically, uh, famously, a Big Ten school, UCLA. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's what I was going to bring up. The takeaway of the game is, n- is not anyone on the Jets. It was on the Browns, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Eight for 11, passing 82 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. And then he added on another 36 uh, rushing yards on six carries as well. So Dorian Thompson-Robinson looked gr- absolutely fantastic. He was probably the story of the game. Uh, not really too many starters, if any, played for either team. Obviously did not see Aaron Rodgers. Um, the lights went out for a little while, which was kind of crazy. Um, did you watch the entire game? I watched most of the game. I mean, once the I, I turned it off kind of near the end, mostly for time restrictions. It was late at night. I'm like, all right, how much yes. time am I going to devote to a Jets Browns preseason game? Right. But yeah, you know, I, I caught enough of it to kind of to, to see the players I wanted to see. Like once I saw DTR cooking, I'm like, all right, that's all my questions answered. Uh, sticking with the Jets, uh, the latest edition of Hard Knocks uh, returns. Uh, episode one debuts tonight, correct? I believe so. Uh, is there anything you're looking forward to the most? I know kind of the story around the Jets with uh, Hard Knocks this season was that they, they're they not going to show players getting cut, which is almost kind of always the most compelling part of Hard Knocks. Oh, I'm thrilled with that. I, I'm you like with that. that. I, I hated that. I, that was so exploitative. I hated that part. Because there, there's guys who are probably never going to play football again. So it's one of the lowest moments of their life. And you got to broadcast that in front of millions of people. Like, I always, I never liked that part. That's the game, though. That's that. that that's I know. It's I liked mean, it because it's because it, <laughs> hey, most really sad viewer. Like, I don't like that. <laughs> all but all of NFL media. All, it always just highlights the best players and all the starters and the amount of money they're making. But like hard knock showed the human side of it, which is where actually the majority of NFL players are struggling just to even make a paycheck. Um, I, I get, obviously it's, it's sad to watch guys get cut, but I think that humanizes the athletes a little bit. I mean, it does, but you can humanize them without just like showing them in low emotional moments. Yeah. That, fair that, enough. That's very invasive to me. I'm happy they're not doing that. So what, what are you looking forward to the most? Yeah. Um, I'm mostly looking knows. forward to, cause obviously it's going to be the Aaron Rodgers show. It's going to be the Aaron Rodgers show and maybe a little bit of Robert Sala who, uh, 
I'm kind of nervous about being on that show because despite the fact that he's this big bald meathead who yells all the time and he's ve- he's a very muted personality and if you ever heard of Robert Sala press conference it is like you know buy the book read the PR sayings of what to say so maybe he'll show out a little bit uh if there's one underrated player that needs to be shown I want to get your opinion on this as someone who's not a Jets fan uh have you ever heard of a Jets player by the name of Michael Clemens yes the backup defensive oh he is gonna be he is going to be a star. I mean, number one, he's got the deepest voice I've ever heard in a human being in my entire life. <laughs> he's got this deep scale, brows always furrowed. He's got the scowl and a septum piercing. And he always just looks like, he just looks angry. He just looks like a, like a snorting bull who's going to like run you over. And because of that, it's led to some great just deadpan moments of unintentional comedy with the Jets where you just get this big scary guy who looks like he's ready to go rip you in half. So I'm, I'm, I hope that he gets to show out because more people need to know about him. Like, uh, here's a good example that I think could really show you what Michael Clemens is, is uh, the Jets social media page will always do this. Uh, they'll ask players like silly little questions. And I think at one time at Halloween, it was, you know, what player would you want in a haunted house, like backing you up? And everybody gives their answers. And probably more than half of them said the rookie Michael Clemens because he would <laughs> scare everybody. So that's the kind of guy you're dealing with. So if he becomes a star from Hard Knocks, then this whole experiment I think has been worth it. Uh, six foot five, 270 pounds from Texas A&M. And Michael you could Clemens. just see, like, I remember too, uh, I, I think it was after his first uh, preseason game and uh, to something to that effect, I might be paraphrasing. They were asking him, like, what was your favorite moment from the game? And he just pauses for like three or four seconds and he just goes, there wasn't any. <laughs> and then just stares at you and you're like, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Did he's get two he's always got tackles. like those medium shirts and he's a big muscular guy. So his shirts are really tight and you can see the muscles popping. You're like, man, I don't want to run into that dude on a bad day. All right. I love it. Keep an eye out for Michael Clemens for hard knocks. Episode one tonight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, moving on to some non-Jet stuff. Uh, some news has come out uh, with the uh, pro, or like the first draft of uh, the depth charts for teams. Uh, that's always a fun day. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers it showed for first-string quarterback Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Uh, they they did not list either of them as the sole number one. I thought it was, I thought Baker Mayfield like I, I hadn't even really considered that there was a quarterback battle, and maybe I just didn't look too far into it. But I guess there is a quarterback battle going on in Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield versus uh, Kyle Trask. I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. I think all of us have these players that we're just convinced are good players, but are just always in the wrong situations. And if they get in the right situation, they're going to be really good. And that's just how I feel about Baker Mayfield. I know he hasn't looked good at times. 
has had some strong seasons, some strong games. Most people have given up on him. He's kind of become a little bit of a laughing stock, especially with all the commercials that, uh, that that he's been in. I still believe in Baker Mayfield. I think if he's a starting quarterback with the Buccaneers this year, I think he'll have a decent season. I think he's much better than Kyle Trask. Mike, any thoughts on that? Any thoughts on the quarterback battle going on at Tampa Bay? I mean, I I kind of I maybe like Baker more than most. I think it's been tough because he's had I could be wrong on this, but I believe he's had seven offensive coordinators yes. counting Dave Canales in Tampa Bay. I think he's had seven. So I mean it's hard to get any sort of consistency when all your plays and your terminology and where people gotta be changes every single year. So that's been hard on him. Uh I remember thinking Trask was an okay prospect when he came out of Florida. I thought he was the least mobile quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life, but I thought he had a pretty accurate arm. Not really the strength I'd want to see from a guy I think that's that big, you know, 6'5", 240. Didn't really have like a rocket launcher, but this is going to be tough. I think it just, the winner of this is going to depend on what Todd Bowles thinks of the rest of the roster because I don't think Tampa Bay even thinks they're going to compete for a playoff spot, but if he thinks they could be, if he thinks they could be probably around maybe a 500 team and stay alive, he's like, all right, let me roll with Baker Mayfield a guy who, for all his faults, like we've seen him be a quarterback and win games pretty consistently. You want to play off game with the Browns. I mean, that should count for like two and a half playoff wins. He won one with the Browns. Like, we've seen him do things like that. If they're just saying, you know what, Caleb Williams is really good, Drake May is really good, this is one of the best quarterback classes we've seen in recent memory, then they're probably going to say, you know what, let's just start Kyle Trask. If he's great, he's great. And if he's terrible, then we'll end up in Williams or May range. So... I think we'll kind of figure out what Tampa Bay thinks of their roster, depending on who the quarterback is. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, they do play in the NFC South, which, um, I mean, I don't want to trash it too much as a Falcons fan, but it's if there's any division that a bad team can win, it's the NFC South. So um, maybe they'll roll with Baker for the first few weeks, and if the Buccaneers don't start off hot, then maybe they'll go to Trask and try to get a top pick. Um, not There's not really a lot of... Usually we have at least a handful of quarterback battles, I, is this the only quarterback battle going on? I guess maybe Anthony Richardson, Gardner Minshew, maybe a little bit, but is there any other team with a, a quarterback battle or are we kind of settled in on knowing who the starters are all going to be across the league? Well, Arizona, I think still trying to figure out because Kyler Murray's backed right. up. They're going to figure out who's going to fill in for Kyler Murray. Is it going to be Clayton Toon, the rookie? Is it going to be somebody else? Uh, that, But again, if Kyler was healthy, that probably wouldn't, right. that probably wouldn't be a thing. Uh, Washington has said Sam Howell is the starting quarterback, but I just think Jacoby Brissett is straight up a better player. And I think if he keeps impressing and if he learns Eric Bieniemy's offense, I think that I could probably see Jacoby Brissett making a little bit of a run, but in terms of just an out and out competition, I think Mayfield and Trask might be the only like dead heat one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ron Rivera. This was just uh sento this morning, Mike. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, if this has come across your timeline, I'm sure it probably has, but Ron Rivera had some, Oh, Hunter Hunter makes a good comment. 49ers. Of course. I mean, I, yeah, I feel like Purdy's kind of winning out there. And I think Trey Lance is kind of going the opposite direction. Ah, oh, poor um, guy. <laughs> My favorite NFL stat is that Tom Brady threw more passes his last year with the bucks than Trey Lance threw in high school, college and the pros combined. That's pretty wild. That's my that, favorite stat ever. That's <laughs> insane. Um, Ron Rivera, some comments about Eric Bieniemy, their new offensive coordinator. Um, very, he was extremely open about this, which I guess is very cool for us as NFL fans to actually get an honest answer about a question asked by the media, but also probably not the best thing to do. Um, the question was asked, and this uh, you can read. I'm not going to read the whole quote, but you can read this. Nikki Havala at N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A, Nikki Havala. 
Um, have players had to adopt to Eric Bieniemy's intensity and have any struggled with it? Have any struggled with it at times? And he basically said that he's had players come up to him behind Eric Bieniemy's back, complaining to him about Eric Bieniemy about being too intense. Um, and in this very long quote, he did not really defend Eric Bieniemy. Um, he didn't really defend anyone. He's just like, yeah, people are complaining about the uh, about our offensive corner being too intense. This is not a good thing. Our team's in shambles right now. And then they asked when they came to you. Uh, it's just they felt like Eric was riding them too hard. And he said, well, um, they were a little concerned. Um, Washington has the makeup of, to me, of a team that might just be a complete dumpster fire this year. I don't like Ron Rivera. I think he's an overrated head coach. I don't like Sam Howell. He seems to be their guy. Um, and it is concerning to me that players are complaining about Eric Bieniemy. Like, in my opinion, maybe you should just trust the methods of a guy who's won two Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator, a guy who was... You know, in the mind, obviously, Andy Reid played a big role as well, but has been kind of the mind behind the Chiefs offense, which has been the best offense in football for the past number of years. Like if this was a no name guy or a guy who didn't have success anywhere else, then, yeah, maybe I could see players complaining. But if I'm a player on the on Washington, I'd be like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what it takes to coordinate an offense. I'm not going to go to the head coach behind his back and complain. A very weird story. And Ron Rivera just threw his offensive coordinator on the bus and was just like, yeah, everyone hates him. Here's my thing with Eric Bieniemy because in general, I think the NFL is, it's a good old boys network. And there's been a lot of really nasty practices with hiring. And there's been so many great qualified minority coaches that haven't gotten a fair shake, either when they get the job or it's not getting the opportunities. Like there, there a wholesale change is needed for equality's sake, I think. And I think Bieniemy kind of became the poster child of that because, you know, Five years of the offense coordinator with the Chiefs, won Super Bowls, and Patrick Mahomes obviously is there. And he probably played a part in Patrick Mahomes, not the biggest part, but part part of a part. And of course, people saying, well, why can't he get a job? And part of the way I'm looking at it too is like, all right, if you've been Patrick Mahomes offensive coordinator for five years and you can't get a sniff, like maybe you're maybe it's just you as a candidate at that point. Because resume-wise, he's got it. But so maybe it's just something about his interpersonal communication skills that just might be lacking. And I think this is kind of an example of that because I think other players in Kansas city too have sort of backed this up guys who have left Kansas city where they said that for better or worse, he's a very intense guy. And of course when intensity, like sometimes it clicks with guys and it motivates them, but not especially on a Washington team. That's very young, you know, a young quarterback and Sam Howell, Terry McLaurin's very young. A lot of skill position players are young. Like it might rub them the wrong way. It might scare them a little bit. It might kind of, cause them to tune things out like like coaches can scream and yell but the really good ones have an emotional intelligence about like Mike Tomlin I think is great with this where he could kind of you know yell at you when you need to yell at you tone things down and sort of be supportive when he needs to like if you're just screaming and yelling and acting like a hothead then that's that's not going to solve anything I don't care how many good plays you could diagram or how many yards Patrick Mahomes threw for that's not going to help anybody that's a great point. I think being a head coach is more than just being uh, a smart guy that understands the game of football. I think interpersonal relationships plays a massive role and some might even say is even more important uh, than the X's and O's. And yeah, maybe, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I was kind of ripping on Ron Rivera for kind of being this open about something, which is, I mean, this big long quote he had about it. it's not going to go over well with Eric the or his team probably because it kind of threw some players under the bus as well. But um, this is probably a sign of maybe why Eric Bieniemy has been hired as a head coach. I mean, 
even if it works, uh, even if this style of coaching works, you got to have guys bought in. Uh, and this kind of, I mean, if you're winning, then great. Then this is awesome. And you have to buy in because then it's proven. But yeah, he won elsewhere. But uh, especially on a team where you're trying to build a culture a little bit, um, to just come right out of the gate this hot is going to rub some guys the wrong way. Now, if he was in Washington for a couple years and they made playoff runs and they're a really good team, then you can probably get away with this a little bit more. But um, players are upset. I think they people don't. forget too, like Eric Bieniemy, like he was the offensive coordinator. He was, this is a big deal. Of course, that he was not a play caller. Like people forget he had a lot of play calling responsibilities in college when he was at Colorado. I think it was at UCLA after that. Like he was not a good offensive coordinator. In college. He was way below average when he was calling. Now, obviously that's been, that was 20 years ago. He's got time to change. He's been with Andy Reid and stuff like that, but right. maybe sometimes guys are just good in their own role. And this is too much on his plate, especially because this whole year, I think is kind of an audition for the enemy yeah. where Ron Rivera, he's also the assistant head coach. So right. Ron Rivera is saying like, all right, we're going to give you as much responsibility as possible to show that you could be a head coach. And right now he's floundering. And if Washington, who has a pretty tough schedule this year, starts out like one in six with Sam Howell, I mean, that might be it for Eric Bieniemy's head coaching ability, or not ability, rather, is his prospects. I think is a better word. But yes, like again, there's time to change it. But you know, he just got to learn. You know, not everything can be solved with you know screaming and yelling and ruling with an iron fist. If you win, great. Then that affords you more leeway to act like that. But right, you got to be a little malleable here. Yes, exactly. Uh, final news story of the day here before uh, we get into some immaculate grid. Not too much to say about this one, but it is worth noting Alvin Kamara suspended three games after uh, basically just beating a guy up in Las Vegas uh, about a year and a half ago. I think it was like February of 2022. Also breaking news on this, though, the Saints have signed oh, Kareem Hunt. So There you go. Well, I was just going to say rumor Kareem Hunt was going to go visit the Saints, but he hadn't been signed yet. So that's breaking news. He has signed uh, with the yeah. Saints because not only was Alvin Kamara uh, suspended, but their backup running back uh, ruptured his Achilles. Um, why am I blanking on who it was? Andrew Miller? Nope. Uh, um, you know, Benjamin. Oh, Eno Benjamin. Eno uh, Benjamin was like a, can he make the roster guy? I don't think he was like the de- the predominant backup, but still, yeah, he's out. Fair enough. The, the running back room was was depleted at the very least. Um, mm-hmm. So now, uh, yeah, Kareem Hunt now in the Saints. I mean, it's three games. I actually think he got let off pretty light with three games. That was, a, yeah. at least in my opinion, the the, the minimum he was going to get. Um, so, yeah, Alvin Kamara done for three games. Uh, now, I should know this, but do the Saints play the Falcons inside the first three weeks? Because that would be nice. They do not. <laughs> Uh, they play it, it, what's the really scary to me about Kamara is Panthers Packers. You look at Kamara and like that incident, there's pictures online of the guy that got assaulted. I mean, it's horrifying what yes. happened to that guy's face. I mean, it looks like something out of like a like a slasher movie. It's all cut up and busted capillaries and swollen everywhere and his eyes are shut. It's tough. It's tough to look at that picture and be like, yeah, three games is pretty favorable, but it's because what really now like this won't really i don't think impact the saints potential in terms of contending for the nfc south title i really don't think that that impacts it honestly one iota like obviously they have jamal williams and kareem hunt and stuff like that but if you look at their schedule they start the year with tennessee at home which i think that that's a pretty even matchup but i don't think it's gonna be i still think the saints will be favored in that game by a good amount at home then they get carolina on the road bryce young rookie quarterback Seems like a pretty good advantage for the Saints. And then Green Bay on the road, Jordan Love, 
who we still don't even know if he's any good or not. Like, I think they got off pretty easy with this. Yeah. Uh, it is worth noting Saints have the easiest schedule in the NFL based on, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, opponent win projection is the Saints and the Falcons by far have the easiest schedules. Um, so, yeah, uh, the start of their season is easy without Alvin Kamara, but really, really when you look out throughout their entire season, they don't have very many tough games, if any. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the easiest schedules I've ever seen if teams perform close to what people expect. Mm-hmm. Like their toughest game might be in Minnesota. Maybe. Ugh. Home to yeah. the Jaguars. Like they, they have an extremely yeah. easy schedule. I also don't like the idea of replacing Alvin Kamara who had this, with Kareem Hunt, who we all know what Kareem Hunt did in the past. So I don't think that's a Fair great point. look either for the Saints. Fair point. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to Macley Grid. Let's wrap up the show with this. Um, sign up for DraftKings, by the way. Use the code STB. Um, all right, Immaculate Grid. I got to open it myself. Uh, usually I do it myself beforehand, uh, so I at least have some answers to fall back on. I did not do it today, I didn't have time. Um, so, Mike, I'm going to be leaning on you here. I have a feeling you're going to be good at this. If people don't know what Immaculate Grid is, it is a three by three grid, and you have to guess players that fit into each box. Uh, so across the top today, we got the columns are the Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals, and 1,000 plus yard rushing season. And then the rows are the Chiefs, Jaguars, and Colts. So, Mike, I always had you have done this before, correct? Like not today specifically, but you have done the Immaculate Grid in the past. Yes, indeed. Do you had, have you had success with the Immaculate Grid? I'd, I'd say so. I mean, this is, I don't want to call it a passion of mine, but it's something that, you know, it's always nice to remember some guys and that information has been just seared into my, into my skull over the years. So, yes. And when you guess a player, for those who don't know, you get a percentage. Uh, it's a percentage of how many other people guess that player in that slot. And the lower the percentage, the higher this, or I think it's the lower the score you get, but you'd like a low score is good. Like golf. Um, so, Mike, I always like to right. start with the uh, stat column because I always find that's the easiest. So for those who are listening and those who can't see the video, not uh, not watching this on YouTube, we are looking to name a Chiefs player who ran for 1,000 plus yards in a single season. Now, obviously, the easiest answer, in my opinion, would be Priest Holmes, but we want to go for the rarest answer possible. Mike, do you have a rare answer off the top of your head? And Larry Johnson is another answer that you could slot in there. Do you have a rare answer for 1,000 plus yeah, air rushing? I know, I know that they had Mike Garrett back in. Don't put that in yet because I know they had Mike Garrett back in the AFL days. I just don't know if he ever got 1,000 like with Len Dawson. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to go with maybe Christian Okoye do you, back from the 90s. Do you think he got 1,000? I, I I mean, he was the all-time leading rusher before, like, Jamal Charles and all those guys came around. So I'm going to go with Christian Okoye. Okay, I like it. Based on that answer, this is going to be a breeze. I didn't even have to do this beforehand. Uh, okay, you're going to have to spell this for uh, producer Dwayne because I can't spell it myself. So. O-K-O-Y-E. 10%, actually relatively high. I, that's higher than I thought it would have been. My, I think if it was me, I, I, I would have gone probably Larry Johnson. When you got a nickname like the Nigerian Nightmare, I guess people remember oh, you. I, that's how yeah. I know him, actually. Now that you say Nigerian Nightmare, like that's how I know him. That's that's like that might be the best football nickname ever. That's amazing. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, one thousand plus yard rushing season. We don't have the history uh, for the Jaguars as much as we do other teams. They are introduced when ninety ninety five, mid nineties, late nineties. Yeah, them and the Panthers. Um, so. Maurice Jones-Drew is the obvious answer there for the Jaguars. Um, who was there around the same 
Well, they had Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor, before, yes. Uh, maybe Fournette. Did, didn't Fournette get a thousand? Leonard Fournette, yeah. Probably go Leonard Fournette. I would say that'd probably be the highest percentage either. Well, maybe Maurice Jones Drew. Yeah, I think for I think Fournette if we're going for low, because Fred Taylor had like a thousand yards for like a decade. I so always think that the for the most part though, people generally go with recent players more so than but I guess Fred Taylor might be. And Fournette, I guess people the, the luster came off. They don't think he's as good. So um, let's go Fournette. Okay. 11%. Yeah, great call. I would have guessed it would have been higher. 1,000-plus uh, yeah. yard rushing season for the Colts. Uh, the name that comes off the top of my head is Edger and James, but Marshall Falk, people forget, started his career with the Indianapolis Colts. I believe he got a... Eric Dickerson, Eric Dickerson too. Eric so. Dickerson. Well, I didn't know he was on the Colts. I know him as a Ram. He pretty much made the Colts relevant in Indy because he got traded right after they moved to Indy. So they're like, all right, this isn't like a dog and pony show in the middle of nowhere. This is like a legit team. He kinda, I think we got to go Eric Dickerson then. Or well, you want you want good rarity score. This will get you like below 1%. If, if it's not, I'm stunned. Try Lydell Mitchell. Do you think he got 1,000 yards? Oh, my God. 0.8%. <laughs> Damn, I'm good. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're just going to call you in for future shows just for Mackley, Grid <laughs> Sterling and I need, he was like, he was in the seventies. Uh, Sterling so, yeah. has complained in the past that the chiefs have not been a team for Mackley grid. Uh, and of course, as, as it happens, uh, Sterling is not on today's show and we have the chiefs. So why don't we start there? So now we are now looking for a player that played on both the Kansas city chiefs and the Arizona Cardinals chiefs must have played at least one snap for both teams. See, immediately my mind brings me to the obvious answer, which would be Tyron Matthew. But yes. that would that, I'm trying that's to go probably gonna be the highest percentage, I would guess. I'm trying to think maybe like late 2000s. Did Matt Castle ever play for the Cardinals? Cardinals? Let's go with how about Steve Breston? I, I remember him on the Cardinals. Was he on the Chiefs as well? I think he was on the Chiefs. Okay, let's go ahead. B R E four four percent, I think that is. Wow. There you go. Okay. You know, you know, you got a rare one when they don't have a picture. When it's, or if they're, I think that just means they're like older. That's true. I, I think. think. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um. So now we're we're gonna move down this column here. So now we are looking to name a player that has played at least one snap for both the Cardinals and the Jaguars. Oof. Cardinals and Jaguars. Oof. Uh, oh, I know. I know the the easy well, one would be Christian Kirk. That would be the easy one. Ooh, how about Calais Campbell? I think he played for the... Yeah. Did he play? F- yeah. Because he was with the Cardinals for most of his career, and then he went to the Jags when they had Saxonville. Uh, and now he is on the Falcons. Uh, Calais Campbell. Yeah. There we go. 29%. Pretty pretty high pick. Um, I mean, how many are there? I mean... Yeah, probably not. Probably <laughs> not many. Yeah. Uh, well, here we go. The obvious one for this one is a guy I've already mentioned, Edger and James. For Edger both and James. So now we are looking to name a player that played at least one snap for both the Cardinals and the Colts. Edger and James is the name I'm thinking of. Do you, can you think of anyone more rare than well, Edger and James? Let me think, because there's got to be, it's two older franchises. So I'd really be surprised. Like, there has to be one other guy, right? There's got to be one other guy. I'm thinking maybe in like the mid 80s, I think. Or you, or you know what? I think I got one. Uh, let me just double check. It was on those like Bruce Arians teams. Try Corey Redding. 0.2%. Correct. We might set an all-time high score here. Um, all right. Let's move on to the final column, which is the Houston Texans. So now we are looking for a player that played on both 
the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans for at least one snap. All right. So this is another Tyron Matthew one because he had the one. Oh, game yeah, you're right. Yep. Houston. Uh, I know Justin Reed was also currently on the Chiefs, but again, he's on the Chiefs, so I don't want to hurt the rarity score too much. Uh, maybe Eric Murray. I think he played for the Texans. He was terrible, but I remember him playing for the Chiefs and the Texans. Okay, let's go with him. I think he played recently, like 20 to... Oh, yeah, there we go. 0.9%. Hey, there we go. Look at that. Uh, Jaguars and the Texans, who played for at least one snap for two of uh, the AFC South teams, Jaguars and Texans. All right, so he had to have played a snap because Tony Baselli played for the Jaguars. He got picked by the Texans in the expansion draft, and then he retired because he got hurt. So I don't think he counts. Has, has to have played a regular season snap. Okay, so Tony Baselli doesn't count. I think AJ Bouye. That's is why I, I think that's the name that yeah, that's the name that I was trying to come up with. That's the obvious one. Uh, uh, I think we may just have to go Bouye. There's not a lot of it's in the division. Two young teams. I feel like Bouye might be the one here. Okay. We may have to cop out and take the easy yep. one. Thirty-four percent. Ah, that's not what I wanted. No. <laughs> Um, and then finally, the Texans and the Colts, a uh, player that played at least one snap for both the Texans and the Colts. Very AFC South uh, yes. grid today. Uh, again, the obvious one would be uh, Andre Johnson, but I don't know if I want to do Andre Johnson because that's what everybody would say. Because I remember that one year he was on the Colts and he was terrible. He was bad. Uh, um, I'm trying to think. They also, I think, recently signed. Did Joseph Adai ever play for the Texans? Did Philip Dorsett play for the Texans? Because I remember he played for the Colts for a little bit. Who? Philip Dorsett. I want to say yes. But what about, did Joseph Adai play for the Texans? I don't think he did. I think he was only the Colts. Um, He got banged up too, so. So, uh, Philip Dorsett. It's a tough one. I'm going to go Dorsett. He definitely played for the Colts. Definitely got drafted by the Colts and sucked, and then he bounced around team to team. Is that what you want to go with? Can you think of anyone's last second? Fitzpatrick never I mean, played for the Colts. I mean, he's better than Andre Johnson because Andre Johnson is the obvious one. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Dorsett. All right, Philip Dorsett. There you go. Boom. Rarity score 100 on the nose. Beat that, people. And how and how much of that was Bouye? So yep. There we go. All right. Typically a hundred and under because I do the baseball one too. Typically a hundred and under is my mark of a good, a good grid. So are you like every time I'll see guys post things on Twitter where they get rarity scores of like five. I'm like, all right, you're cheating. You're you're definitely cheating. <laughs> Which one are you better at, uh, baseball or football? I think the baseball one just because, like, number one, there's more years to work off because right. baseball's older, and I think there's just more. Like notable players move around a lot more. Like in football, if you get a notable guy, I think it's easier to keep him for longer. In baseball, there's a lot of trades and releases and relievers who play for nine different teams. Uh, Dwayne, so I think football might be Dwayne, harder. Dwayne, could you scroll down by any chance? I think it shows us the most popular for each team. Well, average score five. We killed it. There we go. I'm, I'm always interested in the most popular. Justin Reed, most popular for Chiefs-Texans, yeah. Andre Johnson, you're right, most popular for Colts-Texans. 
Oh, Jamal Charles number one. Okay, I'm glad to see Jamal Charles is still. Oh, interesting. Getting work like that. Glad to see he's still getting. Some Maurice Jones Drew most popular over Fred Taylor. I remember I I think I've met Maurice Jones Drew once at something. I can't remember what it was. His thighs are like as big as my waist. Like it's unbelievable. I, it's easy to see how that dude was so good. Uh, there's one sport I might be able to beat you in this immaculate grade, Mike, and that's the hockey immaculate grade. Oh, I might not even get even get one in there. That's that is beyond my limits. All right, so we have set a, a new record for the show. I'll just guess like Wayne, Wayne Wayne Gretzky or like Ulf Samuelson for everything, or and then I'll get like one every three grids. Um, we have set a record for the show. It is a record I don't think Sterling and I will be able to beat on future shows if we keep doing this. Obviously, once we get in the regular season, we're going to stop doing this. But uh, slow news weeks during the preseason, we'll keep doing it. So we might see it again next week. You might not. Uh, but that is our show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you all so much for watching. Be sure to like this uh, video, subscribe to Stack in the Box channel. Now is the time to su subscribe as we enter the NFL season. And if we're watching this on YouTube, uh, my computer is by a window, and now I'm oversaturated because it just became sunny out. Um, I thought you were like getting raptured yes. or something, going to heaven. Atomic bomb <laughs> just dropped in New York City, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Mike, let the people know where they can find your work. You can find my work at by Mike Luciano on Twitter or X or whatever it's the hell it's called this I'm month. I have no idea. But one platform that is probably not going to get its name changed soon is YouTube, which is where we are at the Jet Press. We are on TikTok at the Jet Press. So come and hang with us. We do a really good show. Me and Justin. Justin's great. Come and check us out. Absolutely. Check out the Jet Press. Uh, and for myself, uh, we do talk betting a little bit on this show, but I do have uh, my 32 best bets for the 32 NFL teams for futures. You can check that out over on Bet Side of the article, or you can check out the Bacon Best podcast where I go through all 32 teams and give out my best futures bet for that. Uh, once again, thank you all so much for watching. Sign up for DraftKings using the code STB. All you need to do is create an account, make a deposit, and place a bet of $5 or more, and you get $200 in bonus bets. Thank you all so much for watching, uh, and we'll be back next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.